You are listening to Think Tenacity Podcast, www.thinktenacity.com. Today's podcast episode is kindly sponsored and funded by the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea in celebration of Black History Month. You enjoy a black mental health panel discussion led by black therapists for making time for black mental health. So by having more conversations about black mental health, that reduces stigma. And the first panel question that we will be discussing is, why do we think there are higher rates of mental illness within our community. Hi, hi Vivian. Um, what I can do is I can share my story to give you um, a flavour of some of the things that might lead to somebody from our community having that mental health issues. There are multiple uh, reasons why we probably, those statistics that we just shared, Bella, are so high. So I arrived in this country as an immigrant and grew up in the small towns of Wales and, and England. We were always like the only black in the, in the village. Um, so large family of seven, six at the time, and, and my sister's the only one that was born here. And so when you look around, because you, you, you see the world from inside out, everyone looks very different to you. And then um, in the eighties, there was very little by the way of representation. Um, I remember clearly, um, we were not welcome, we were excluded. Um, it wasn't imagined, you know, it was very um, clear, etc. So those sorts of aggressions, be they, you know, microaggressions, be they actual physical aggressions, that sense of not belonging, of feeling excluded, of always kind of wearing this, you know, armour, feeling a bit sort of nervous in the world, not knowing your place. Um, for me and for all of my siblings, you know, that led to various sort of mental health issues. So you're, you're carrying quite a load and then you're so aware of, you know, I remember the few times I would tell my parents things that were happening at school. And if they came, as is the right of any parent, to ask questions, I could see how my black dad, you know, my he's a black man, how he would be not listened to, immediately judged and again, it occurred to me, oh, wow, okay, so he's carrying a lot. He doesn't have his place. In his career, uh, my mum and dad are both in the National Health Service. And again, with, with COVID, lots of people are aware that, um, you know, there are a lot of, you know, Black, Asian, you know, I think my aunt is in the National Health Service. And what they found, all the people that they were training with, um, their white counterparts would go, you know, quickly up the ranks and they would say, you know, lower down the ranks getting all of the, you know, the rubbish, the rubbish, um, you know, shifts, so to speak. So my mum's a night shift her whole life, Christmases and for stuff like that. Again, those things sort of put, put pressure on you. And it just sort of builds up, builds up, builds up. And I remember going to an interview when I was just graduated from uni and being asked about my dreadlocks. And I actually had plaques <laughs> at the time. And when you look at any of these events um, on its own, an outsider might think, that doesn't really mean anything. But when I've spoken to lots of people, you know, black people, and they're sharing these stories, and these are people that I've never met before, and these same themes are coming out over and over again, you realise that you carry quite a lot. And I think in my case, and in the case of the people that I've spoken with, in, you know, during the course of my life, um, there are things that would just sometimes 
it just it just goes it's it's very frightening not knowing your place in the world and being so super aware when you step into any space that you're not welcome whether it's a real or a perceived feeling of not being welcome not belonging feeling that you have to sort of protect yourself in my case I covered for many years um, as well so it's, it's multiple, multiple, multiple reasons. And I'm sure some of you today, um, some of what I've said kind of resonates with you. And um, that, that's enough to really make anybody feel, um, you know, not in a good place. I think um, you, you nailed it, actually, because it's, if we think about intergenerational trauma as well. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people don't realise how that also affects us in today as well because it's not just what's happening within the families and I think a lot of people just look at the immediate family about our childhood and yes I know that a lot of us have um, you know adverse childhood trauma or development trauma as we call it in therapy but I think it is also we need to think about the intergenerational trauma as well um, because it go way way back and we think about slavery and if, uh, if you really look at our history, I think we have to take this in consideration that, you know, slavery had and which lifeline we're coming from. Um, so if you really go into your ancestry, you will notice that, you know, it is like, if you just look at our families and you think about, you know, there's always maybe one child. It's like, but why, why is this child behaving like this? Or why is this child's, you know, a prodigy of, you know, and it's like none of the parents had that um, gift. So if you like really trace it back, it was like, ah, oh, because the great grandfather had that. So, and it's like, you know, and the same thing, like um, your ancestry, we have to really take note of that. Well, as a black therapist, you know, most of my clients do find it easier to speak to a black therapist um, because of then they don't have to explain themselves so much because it's the nuances that we we understand but then in that can also be quite detrimental sometimes because sometimes we then make assumptions because it is that thing about oh because you're black you might understand me and I think that can be quite detrimental because then if the therapist say, oh, I do understand you, that can shut down the client. So we don't understand. We will never understand the other's experience. And I think that's a very, very important to how to listen. You know, and like the Samaritans, you know, just like, you know, they're there to listen, which is brilliant. Um, and it's like without judgment. And that is the whole thing about being a therapist as well. You know, we don't give advice to some um, therapists, there's so many out there, but it is really understanding that. And a lot of clients, black clients as well, don't want to speak to a black therapist because of the transference is thinking, no, you're going to be just like my mother or just like my father because we so, you know, we have a different way of being than our white counterparts. We are different. And I think it's acknowledging that as well. It's kind of thinking about kind of where's that education coming in from at the earlier stage. So um, I mainly work within um, schools and edu other educational settings and a lot of the time for schools because of maybe curriculum needs and kind of like other things that are going on in school, 
um, sometimes when it comes to the topic of mental health and well-being, that's not really covered. Or even if it is covered, it's probably, you know, at most maybe an assembly here or there or, you know, a PSHE session here or there. Um, and what I find in my work, um, particularly for, for um, Black um, children and people that come into my service, is that it's mainly the education behind kind of what they're experiencing and what does this mean in terms of their mental health and their well-being that could actually be the thing that could really promote their recovery really well and, and give them um, that, that better chance of managing some of those difficulties a lot more, um, rather than actually kind of going through the process of, you know, you know, going through official therapy sessions and having that one-to-one -one work, which is still beneficial, but sometimes for a lot of people, that's not necessarily the case, they just need the education behind that um, and understanding of, of, you know, this is my experience, this is what it means, this is how it relates to this, this is how it impacts in, in, in different circumstances when it gets worse, when it gets better. Um, and kind of with that knowledge, I can now kind of move forward in, in managing myself a, a lot better. Um, and just to add another thought that came earlier about the, you know, the question about why it's important that we have black therapists. I think looking at psychology as a whole and kind of looking at those that work within psychology and those who, you know, I guess write kind of models of therapy and ways of understanding psychology is really whitewashed um, and Western-centered. Um, and we think about kind of, you know, well, me fortunately being a black individual in that space, but um, I guess, you know, you know, black individuals wanted to seek help, wanted to seek therapy. Sometimes there may be a bit of disconnect between kind of, these are the models and therapeutic ways to help a certain demographic how does that relate to kind of my experience? Um, and yeah, that disconnect can often come up and maybe that's why people feel like, you know, because, um, you know, this, this institution or this, this place only has white therapists um, and, and white professionals, how can they use their whitewashed or westernized methods of, of working psychologically to help, to help my distress, which is a bit, a bit different bit different to that as a black individual so I think it's also thinking about kind of where our methods come from um kind of how, how it's taught um and I guess that's why I'm kind of conscious in terms of like how can I though you know this is formal training though I need to get this to get my accreditations and my qualifications of course but how could I be conscious that I'm culturally adapting it or making it more sensitive for for those who may not necessarily fit within that framework um and so I think it's kind of all the more that you know not just that black individuals, you know, seek, seek therapy and seek black therapists, but also for, you know, black individuals like myself to join the profession and be part of that change and rewriting some of the, you know, models and kind of um, modalities and things that we're taught and actually thinking about how we can make them more kind of, yeah, culturally sensitive, culturally aware of the fact that, um, you know, there are different needs for different people. Um, and it's important that kind of what we use in our practice models that and shows that. Just like to say representation really matters. It really does. So if I talk about me being a Samaritan, so I went into um, the induction, I went into, and I, I went into the information day and I saw people that looked like me because you have a perception that they're old, gray and stale. That's a perception you have of Samaritans, let's not lie. That's a perception. Um, I walked into the room and I saw black women, young women who looked like me. And I thought, okay, I can do this. During my training, I saw women who looked like me great I saw mentors because part of our training is you're trained for about six months you're mentored for about six months and so you you're not kind of let loose on people until you really have to unlearn a lot of your unconscious bias as well um so I'm now a lead what's called a lead mentor so I now train 
Samaritans. So once they've done their training, they have to get through me before they get to the phones. <laughs> so, um, and I, and it, and it's really good that they see me as I, as representation that you can do this as a as a black person. Um, and it's not about, and I'm really passionate about this about the need for for there to be more spaces, safe spaces for black people to be, just to be, you know not to not to just you know be talked at talked to just to just be so when we think about the callers we get nobody's ever listened to them nobody's actually what well, i say just shut up just shut up and let them talk and that's what we do we don't kind of jump in dip in and one of the things we love is silence we can you know just hold that space and hold them in that space so they can talk and part of my history is i used the samaritan at one time i had a plan I was going to take me and my kids. Beachy Head was a lovely place. We were all going to go together. And my plan was set. I was good to go. Then I thought, who's going to know that I'm out there? And I didn't want to phone. You can't phone your family or friends, you know, because you don't revisit your mental health on your family, right? Because that's what we, we don't do that as black people. We just don't do that. So I thought, oh, who can I ring? Rang the Samaritans. And she just let me talk and cry and weep and talk and cry and weep. And I felt better and I thought, yeah, my plan's clear, I'm good now. I've told somebody what I'm going to do. And she just almost threw a bucket of cold water over me. She just said one sentence. What happens if you all don't die? And I went, huh? Because in your mind, you're clear, right? What happens? And I went, what do you mean what happens? So she arrested my thoughts, got me talking, which I didn't want to talk to anybody because I was quite happy not talking. And, and I thought, you know what? I mean, this is many years ago because you have to go through. Um, I had to do a lot of work on myself before I got to this point of being a Samaritan and actually understand the pain of it all and recover from that pain. And it is a process. And up to this day, and I can say this, my mother doesn't know. Do you think I could tell my mother that? She doesn't know. And I wouldn't tell her because she wouldn't. She couldn't manage that overspill of my emotion. She couldn't manage it. So there's no point in giving it to her. But I told my friends. And they managed it, well, they did manage it, you know, and, and the thing I want to make is it's that safe space of just being able to talk. That's what we need. And that's what I was given. Thank you. Um, it was just to um, add, I, Glenis is um, uh, head of our, we work together in the, in the Croydon branch. Um, and my thing is to get to the young black boys, the young black youths um, in the inner cities. Um, because in, in, well, anywhere, actually, or any, any youths, um, it's particularly male, because they don't realise the benefits of speaking and the benefits of someone listening to them. Um, like Laverne said earlier, if they're met with somebody the same as them, they think it's their, their mum or we're going to treat them in that authoritative way. But I, I have a nephew who has been through the life on the streets he's now 20 and he's turned his life around and he's quite willing to come and do a speech a talk for us boys my age don't realize how important it is to speak they don't get it they just don't get it they're full of machoism they're full of um status they're full of peer pressure and they just need that space again that's the start as david said they don't even need to be counselled, some of them. They just need to be listened to. So sometimes it's the smallest little things that we can do to 
that can, you know, make the bigger things happen. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, Glenis, well, I was really touched by uh, what you were saying. I completely agree. Representation matters. When you see people um, who look like you, you see them in spaces that you don't expect to be in. You see them achieving things you don't expect to achieve. It actually gives you that belief it's possible. They've done it. I can do it. You see it with, you know, when the Olympics comes and you have that legacy. And I think that applies for everybody, you know, for everybody. Um, but Laverne touched on a really good point. Um, it, diversity is also very important, be it in your diet, you know, or in your workplaces, etc. So I don't think that, you know, there's a, there's a formula that a, a black therapist is always the best type of therapist for a black person. And as Laverne uh, quite, you know, rightly put it, we're all unique. So you might be going through something and you think, you know, I'm going through the same thing. So therefore, instantly you feel we're going to have more of a connection simply because I'm black. But my experience could be completely different. And so I found and I'm sure some of you might have found just in life, whenever when I began to get into black spaces, you know, having left the small towns, there was always a connection when I saw black person. Oh, I was instantly drawn, you know, because it's representation. But even I would have a bias. You'd assume that they are more like you. They understand this. They understand that. But actually, they're unique. We're all as unique as our as our fingerprints. So I think that's important. And then what I'm hearing, like from Shaz and somebody that spoke, you know, is that if people are wanting a safe space, remember your face to face is is an option. Um, it's great when they pick up the phone or they're writing. They don't know who's at the end of that telephone or the end of that letter or the end of that email. And I think the work that you guys are doing is incredible. And it's that safe space, you know, listening and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think it necessarily means because, you know, you're black, that it makes you more um, effective with it, but giving that to another black person. Um, but for sure, there are instances, say, face to face. So I know in my um, past, when I've been to go and see a therapist, um, I might have a bias if I go in and speak to somebody um, about an issue. And this actually happened to me. <laughs> So and I went in to speak to somebody about an issue and she looked, you know, very innocent as if life had been, you know, treated her very well. Uh, she was wearing a hijab and I had all these assumptions. And now that I'm older, I realise there were my biases. But the fact that I didn't feel comfortable with her would have been a sort of barrier. But some of the best therapists I've had look nothing like me, absolutely nothing like me. And I've had great uh, black therapists. So I think that bit is important to understand um, the totality um, of that that is not um, a one size uh, fits all but certainly you will capture a certain audience of people who are not used to seeing other you know other people who look like them in certain spaces and by having that diversity you're already making great strides and giving more solutions to people out there who need your services guys thank you so much for pressing play to listen to think tenacity podcast and we thank the royal borough of kensington and chelsea for sponsoring and funding this episode on think tenacity podcast if you enjoyed our panel discussion on breaking stigma within black mental health, we invite you to our upcoming event on the 30th of March. Visit thinktenacity.com for more details on this event. In the meantime, if you'd like more information, do drop us an email to podcast at thinktenacity.com. 
You are listening to Think Tenacity Podcast, www.thinktenacity.com. Follow us on social media by searching Think Tenacity. Follow us on Instagram, search Think Tenacity. Follow us on Facebook, search Think Tenacity. Follow us on YouTube, search Think Tenacity.